Although we can't go back in time, we can reflect on our past experiences and learn from them. But wouldn't it be so amazing if we could? If you could, what would you tell yourself? This is Letters to My Younger Self. I'm Liz Gardner. Join me as we talk with some of my favorite people about their life stories and how they've learned and how we can become a little better by hearing their incredible stories. I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse for over 48 years, and I am still healing. There are certain things in my life we just do not get over, and this is one of them. When a child has been sexually abused, his or her normal sexual development is cut off short. An individual that has been forced to be sexual or a grown-up level leaves the child not being able to build his own development and sexual orientation or interests. As a survivor of sexual abuse, you do not get a chance to experience the chance to explore sex in an age-appropriate way. The child learns that the abuser's sexual desire is a scary and out-of-control force his or her first sexual experience of arousal are linked with shame, disgust, pain, and humiliation, just like I experienced. This makes for powerful imprinting. If the abuse was linked with an infection and nurturing, the child grows up confused about the difference between affection and sex, intimacy, and intrusion. Today on the podcast, I have Jacqueline Dixon. She's amazing. I actually met her in Dallas going to the YMCA and she would watch our cute little Liam while I worked out. And one day we started talking and she shared with me a little bit about her childhood. I just want to say as a warning, she was sexually abused as a child starting at age five. And so if this information is something that would be sensitive to you or trigger you, she discusses what happened to her and I just wouldn't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. What she has to share is amazing. She is going to school and working on becoming a therapist so she can help more people, but she has a support group of women that she helps to be able to overcome their trauma and she shares a little bit about how we can be informed on how to see signs of sexual abuse in children as well as ways we can prevent this from happening in our families. Jacqueline is a mother of three and is going to school part-time to finish her bachelor's degree and is also working and she is so positive and just has such an amazing ability to lift the people around her. I hope that you learn from her story and that this will be beneficial to someone out there. I just want to thank you for being on the podcast today. I know that what we're going to discuss today are hard topics that aren't always easy to discuss, but I just am grateful for you being willing to share with us about your experience. And I hope that it will be helpful to others to be able to, those that have suffered from the similar things or to be able to help prevent something like this from happening. Yeah. Why don't we start off by having you just tell us a little bit about 
you as a child, where you grew up and what your family was like? I was born in West Memphis, Arkansas. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, but I traveled back and forth home because my dad, biological father, lives there. And my other siblings, it's like total five sisters and one brother, all live there in Arkansas. So it was time that I traveled back and forth to visit my father during the summer times. But I actually grew up, I moved here from West Memphis, Arkansas, age five years old. I would travel back and forth to visit my father or my grandmother or grandfather because I was more uh, close to my grandparents, very close. My grandfather, he spoiled me. So I was always attached to him and my grand, really my grandparents. I was very attached to them and close to them. But I actually grew up here in Dallas when my mother was married. When she got married in West Memphis, she moved to Dallas when she married my stepdad. I will get into that later, <laughs> what happened. So that's where I, I am originally from is Memphis. I'm a country girl. When my mom married my stepdad, they had two other children. He had two stepchildren and those were my half brothers. After that, my mom had my baby brother. And then the last child was my sister, which is her original child, you know, by blood. She's my baby sister. So she really had two by him and he had two other I had two other siblings, but they were my half brothers. So on my dad's side, like I said, it's five girls and one boy. That's the same as my family. We have five girls and one boy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Six kids like my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, oh, it, it was supposed to be one more, but, you know, we'd never gotten a chance to find out who that other one we knew was a girl, but we never found out who it was. It's one more, but we don't know. <laughs> That's during the war days. <laughs> okay. So you have one other sister out there that you haven't met. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. One more, but we're not aware of who, where she's at or where she's living. We just, you know, he passed away in 2016. So we don't have no idea or no clue where she's at or who she is. We don't know if she's alive or dead. Oh, wow. Well, I wonder if you'd be able to sort of genetic linking some, sometimes there's people that can help you find. Wow. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I really, yeah. yeah. We really want to find out who she is. Uh, we still talk about that right now today. You know, we really like to meet her because she's our sister. Yeah. And we want to know who she is. Yeah. So tell us, what were you like as a kid? What was your personality like? <sighs> My, uh, well, as a kid, I was introvert. I was very shy. I was, I had low self-esteem. I had uh, no confidence level whatsoever. I, I just, I was not socializing with a lot of kids. You know, I was kind of shut out, you know, shut down and just not being around a lot of people, just too quiet. 
because of my situation that happened. So it kind of shut me down and I wasn't a socialized person. I didn't ever socialize with a lot of kids. I know you've experienced lots of trauma. Right. Um, and do you want to share a little bit about that and how you think that that is affected your self-esteem? I know you kind of referred to that a little bit in, the, in your introduction. Early on, I was... I wasn't aware of the issues that I was hung up on. For instance, I know that I experienced a lot of things. Let me just start off saying, as a child, it started when I was five. I was sexually abused at five years old. I remember wearing a yellow dress and some black shoes, no socks on. I love those black shoes and yellow dress. My, my stepdad that my mom married, I, sometimes I feel like he wasn't a father to me because as caretakers, you, you look up to them and you trust, you're supposed to trust them. To be honest, I, I didn't trust him. I felt really bad. You know, I really felt icky, you know, of even if I mentioned his name. But it was five years old when it happened. And when I experienced my first abuse, he did things inappropriately to me. And I, I did not know. Of course, I'm a child. A child doesn't know what, you know, what an adult, you know, do to them. But, um, yeah, he did do some inappropriate things. And uh, he told me if I told that he will hurt the family and he will kill me. And he also said that this was our little secret and don't tell no one because if I told anyone, it will break up the family and I will be in trouble. So everything that he said, he kind of blamed it on me. And as a child, uh, I say like when I go to school or something, I, I always thought that Unappropriate things will happen to other kids because I will ask them questions, which was really embarrassed, you know, that I did not know that when you ask questions to other kids, which I was just a little girl, I didn't know. Do, do, your, do your mom spank you like this? You know, I didn't know. I was asking unappropriate things and I, I did uh, go to the office for it, but I wasn't aware of it. My mom picked me up and she was like, well, what are you saying? You know, and I just stayed quiet. I wouldn't say nothing to her, you know, but because he told me not to say anything. It was five years old until 18, well, really 17 and a half. Wow. When it, yeah, many, many years of trauma, not just him. There were uh, babysitters that molested me also. And I was raped by, also raped by a friend girl. And I was no more than probably, um, probably eight, eight years old uh, when I was raped by my friend's father. And 
my mom, if it, you know, as me being young, I was always taking care of my siblings. I was always have to take care of cook, clean, wash clothes because my mom worked nights, you know, nighttime. And he had a job, but it was like he would lose his job. At the time, I didn't know or wasn't aware why he would lose his job, but there were incidents where he got This is your stepdad or this is your friend's dad? This is my stepdad. Okay. Yeah, because most of the time we was left with him. And when I'm left with him and my mom always worked nights or sometimes do a double shift from day and night, like 3 to 11 and 11 to 7, she was always working really hard and extremely tired, you know, I don't think she was paying attention, which she probably didn't know, but I think she did, you know, but she didn't uh, pay attention because she was always working and she was always tired. Yeah, it happened for a very long time. Seemed like every day, you know, it was every day. I'm not going to lie. It was every day coming home from school. If he's not there, or, it, you know, if he's not there, it won't happen. But it happened when he gets there. If my mom's not there, that's when it, it'll happen. And sometimes I will lock myself in the bathroom so he won't get to me. But he find ways to get in. And it was just awful. Very awful. Traumatic for me. Really. Just breaks my heart, especially... I mean, it's awful no matter what, but at five years old, you're so young. I think of my Hayden and he's six and I yeah. feel like he's just a little kid. And yeah. like you were saying, you don't really even have a concept of what's normal. And then the adult being able to use fear as a tactic of saying, I'm going to kill you or threatening yeah. you. You're afraid and you know that... You want to protect your family, and so they use that as a way to manipulate yeah. the situation. Yeah. Exactly, they do, and that's what he would do. He would manipulate, and uh, he was a controller. It's just not me. I mean, he was, uh, you know how they say one bad apple in a crowd destroys a whole lot of bad apples, you know? Well, that's what mm -hmm. he did to the whole family. He destroyed all of the family. He physical abused, verbally abused, and me, he sexual abused, but he did not just sexual abuse me. He sexual abused many others, including my friend he, he raped, a best friend of mine. She was raped by him. And he, uh, he raped many other women, but he's not going to say it, you know, but he did. But uh, he did uh, molest his own son. So it's like, if it's not me, it's his own son. And that was my half-brother, which is his biological son. He was uh, molested by him also. One out of three women and one out of th uh, three men in the community are molested or have been have experienced some type of rape or been molested they have it's just not the females it's the males too 
And I'm a witness of that because my brother was one of them. He was molested and rest in peace. He's not here anymore because he developed HIV and he knew that his father did this, but he, he kept it to himself. He didn't like talking about it. You know, he did. He went on like it didn't, it wasn't nothing to him because he was broken. This man destroyed so much in me, not just in me, but in all of the kids. My mom too. He, he will uh, physical abuse her. It, it's a lot. <laughs> Liz, it's so much that I can go on and on and say about this man. He's an awful man. He really is. He's awful. And, and I'm so sorry that you've had to experience that and have such a traumatic, awful childhood. And, you know, knowing you now and seeing the the light that you have that you know how compassionate and kind and loving and wonderful person you are and just thinking that what he took away from you as right. a young child you know your innocence your love for life and all of these things that you really had to work so hard to to go through and and you know a, a lot of the reason why I wanted to do this interview with you was because you know when you look at the statistics there's one in every three women and nearly one in four men yeah. that have experienced sexual violence, you yeah. know, at some point in their life, like yeah. it touches every family. And, and so I think it's important for people to be informed and to know what to do. And especially like, you know, I think of my boys and I'm about to have a little girl and right. I want to do whatever you can to protect your, your kids. But I yes. think you have to know what's out there and you need to be able to teach your children ways to protect themselves too for your kids to feel safe to always be able to tell you something even if somebody says that they will hurt them you know and and it's kind of a hard it's a hard balance of teaching your kids at a young age and uh-huh. you don't want you don't want to scare them but at the same time this happened so young to you that it happened in your own home but can you tell us what, what are some signs that a child or an adolescent is being abused? Like if you are around somebody, is there a way for somebody to be able to kind of see those signs? Like a, if you were a teacher or a neighbor or your kid's friend was over, is there a way that you can kind of see that there might be some abuse? Yeah. The childcare where I work, we're right now taking that lesson right now because it's very important you know, when you're a child care assistant and teacher, we have to make sure that that's not happening to any of the children's in, in child care too. We have to look for those signs and stuff. So we, we watch those kids like they're our own too, and we love them and we make sure there's nothing going on, but we do look for those signs. And if we see that we do have to report it, you can't, be afraid and be silent to what's going on. You know, it's so much that's going on with kids that you see out here in this world. But yes, that's funny you asked me that. One thing you have to know is that in younger children, like infants, you'll find blood in a diaper. 
That's another thing because there are, you know, you don't never know who it is. You know, uh, I'm not saying, <laughs> but I am putting out here and that's why I have, I try to talk about childhood sexual abuse or sexual abuse period and the signs because we have to look at the infants too and make sure it's not happening there always check them you can check when you're changing their diapers like infants have might have blood in the diapers or unexplained bruises down there you know or oftentimes there are some signs that as parent or as a guardian that something needs to be looked into with a infant, especially we can't look past and say, Oh, nothing's going to happen to the baby. Yes, it is. It, it happened to me as my child was an infant. And that's why I'm sharing that, that it does happen to an infant when, especially when you're taking them to babysitters, you really have to, you know, watch that too and be careful when you're taking your child to a babysitter. Also for toddlers or children, like you're potty training them and they are learning how to potty train. And then next thing you know, they go from potty train to wetting the bed or having nightmares. That's another thing. And they go to sucking their thumb. And as an adult, you may need to, you know, check that also. Just make sure you're watching those signs because when you're potty training a child, if they're there all of a sudden just start wetting on themselves or wetting their bed, you want to watch that carefully or start having nightmares and start sucking their thumb. That's another sign of uh, childhood sexual abuse. For like adolescents, you look out for those unexplained gifts money and any interaction things that's going on online. You have to watch that. Protect your children on these computers. You know, you can't just let them get on there because there's so much going on and things can pop up and, you know, somebody can lure them and you just want to make sure that you're monitoring your children on computers also, because those are the things that you have to look for in adolescence, gifts, money, interactions online. You know, make sure that someone is around. If mom's not around, make sure dad's around or older sister or whatever. But you have to monitor the adolescent children also. So those are those few little things that you want to look for in uh, infant, child, toddlers or children or adolescents. Yeah. And I think that had there been a little more education with your teacher, you're asking interesting questions. Maybe they could have looked into that and not to right. put any blame, but when you are in the care of children, you do need to be aware that everyone's home situation might not right. be ideal like yours was for that to be a safe place. I've also heard people talk about trying to like create healthy boundaries for your kids and yeah. even just yes. saying yeah. things like, go hug auntie or go give them a kiss. Yeah. And no, I don't want to. And you say, go do it. And you kind of force, yes, like, they don't want to. That yeah, yes. Teach your kids that their body is their own. And so yeah. you can say, would right. you like to give your aunt a kiss? And if they say no, then you say, that's okay. You know, it's yeah. like, you don't have yeah. to. But yeah. just even like getting in the habit of pressuring your kids to show physical affection right. to kids, yeah. to, to adults yeah. or anyone that we should teach our kids 
if you don't feel like hugging someone or kissing someone, you should never have to do that because this is your body and you have control over that. And so I think a lot of things that we think as parents are harmless, like, oh, go give your grandma a kiss. And they won't do it. And you say, oh, go go grandma's dad, give her a kiss, you know, and you pressure them. But those are actually teaching bad things that would make them more vulnerable to to a situation where someone could pressure them and they are used to being pressured by adults to do things. Exactly. Uh, And, you know, also I encourage parents Please go get a book because they do have them at the library and start reading the book to, because I did with my kids and it's called My Body Belongs to Me. And it's very important to uh, read that to your children at early age so that when they older, they understand and you know that, hey, my, this is my body. No, you cannot tell, no, you know, see, they'll be aware of it and they're able to say, I'm going to say something to my mom because such, such said he can this and it's okay. And it's not okay. <laughs> you know, so just go check out that book. It's called My Body Belongs to Me and they have them in the library. So you can uh, teach your children that their bodies belong to them. That's teaching them uh, boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. We'll have to look into that book. What's the best thing a person, a person can do for someone who has experienced this kind of trauma? Some individuals experience difficulties following this traumatic experience. Well, sometimes they shut down But what I do is listen to them because I like to go around and sometimes I give them my card and I just share my experience of what I've been through and they just open up. I don't like to push or pressure anyone, but when they tell me something, I, you know, I encourage them to get help, seek help or uh, get in a support group. And, you know, and one thing I like to do is pray for them. You know, because that helps. Prayer helps. And just talk to them. And I share my story and it seems like it opens them up. Some cry, you know, cry out because they never had anyone to uh, listen to them or someone that that they can speak with and trust. So what that's what this is what I like to do. I'm really working on a support group. And I feel like if I had a support group, maybe it can help a lot of women. It's just like my friend on a job, Lily. Lily, she shared her story and she said that it, it that I helped her a lot. So I'm very happy that I did help her. I just like helping people that was once like me, you know, and I was thinking about as soon as I graduated and get my degree, my master degree, I was thinking about thinking about a facility, you know, to open up because that's what I want to do. Help people that was once like me. And I'm praying that that I can do that ASAP soon as possible, which I have to finish my schooling, which I start back Monday. You're so, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Once that's done, 
and I get my master, go back for my master. Cause I said, as soon as I finish the bachelor, I'm going straight into masters, but I really do want to open a facility and call it safe place. I want it to be in a rural area where it's quiet, like farm, like where I have horses and all kind of animals because I think that'll be therapeutic. And also I want to do music because music is therapeutic. And I want to have fun. I want to sit around a bonfire and just, we all talk and share stories and cry it out and laugh. You know, that's something I like to help people with. You know, I think that'll help. And on a Christian base, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Well, I think that you're so amazing that you've been able to use this experience that's been traumatic and awful and a terrible experience and you've been able to use it to help other people which I think is really amazing and I know before you were telling me a little bit about how you've had some support groups that you've gotten together with people tell us a little bit more about that and why do you think that a group setting is so effective for people who've experienced trauma having some bible study because I found out that some some people, but I know some people don't want to talk about God because they're very, very angry and that's understanding. But I do would like to have by, I like to have Bible support group. I feel like that's helpful with praying too, but I also understand them being angry because God said it's okay to be angry. It's a normal normal reaction for, you know, for you being angry because of what happened. It's okay. But I don't like pushing or pressuring anyone to speak about their past. I feel like you shouldn't pressure someone about their past history of childhood sexual abuse or whatever that situation is. I feel like that prayer is the answer to everything and to uh, move them forward, you know, because it's it's up to God. Listening to them is very important. Speaking to them and having a shoulder to cry on, you know. Most women want to cry and, and it's okay. We work on that. I, I, have, I have people that I have spoken to would cry out and just want me to listen to them and it I don't say nothing because I don't want to trigger them or upset. So I feel like that's some things that, that works for it. So my support, my support groups are uh, strong and courageous survivors who have been through a lot. And to be able to talk about their experience, because we all know that being a victim of childhood abuse and it could lead to attempted suicide permissions, you know, like dangerous from a dangerous behavior, you know. I pray for those women out there that did not have anyone to go go to that can uh that you can trust to tell their secret. Because it's very hard for some women to, you know, come out and tell their secret. So some of them been silent for a long time. They feel like they're going to get rejected or somebody's going to say something ugly to them or you can't even trust your own family because they might put you down, you know, or say harsh things that they not aware of what they're saying. So it's, it's, it's so effective because we can, 
as a support group, we can offer comfort and support that that have uh, lived through the, you know, that some of them have uh, experienced. So that's what we do as a support group is give them comfort and support and love. So that that can help them. Having someone really listen to you and really hear you out and um, really want to get to know what you've been through, I think is is really valuable. And I think by you having experienced that, you're able to better show that love and say, I have been through it and I am still here. And I am, right. you know, and like you said in the beginning, some things you never really get over, but you are a wonderful mother and you are the best child care worker ever at the YMCA. <laughs> much you loved my children and taken such good care of them and you are so kind and wonderful I just I feel like I would come into the gym and just seeing you you just lift everyone's spirits that you're around and really for people and for loving them and just being an extraordinary person and so I think people being able to see you and say look at this phenomenal woman and she experienced this trauma and if she can still accomplish all these wonderful things there's hope for me too yeah you know Liam when he come in and I said that go my buddy and he's like hi Miss Jackie and he I said what do you want I said I know you want the animals no you want the horses he said yes and he, I knew everything. Every time he came there, I knew exactly what he wants. He wants to play with the horses. After Christmas, he said to me, Mom, why did Santa bring me a, he got this like Power Wheels Jeep. Yeah. And I was like, why did Santa bring that to me? And I was like, I think Santa just thought it would be fun for <laughs> you to play with. And he goes, I just like animals. <laughs> it's like, yes, he does. He loves animals. I mean, he just sits there all day and play with his animals. But he really, what he really likes is the horses. Yeah, he loves them. Sorry, this is a side note, but Liam just started preschool and he had to fill out this questionnaire what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said he wanted to be a yellow horse. Oh, just like the yellow horse he likes at the uh, child care. Oh my yeah. gosh, he loved the yellow and the white horse. He loves the, uh, those are the only two he loves. I miss Lim, I really do. <laughs> oh, we miss you guys too. You guys, we still have his Play-Doh. Tell him we still have his Play-Doh. We didn't throw it away because we think y'all going to come right back. Okay. I'll let him know. <laughs> so. Well, I wanted to ask you if if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self back when you were kind of experiencing just really hard, sad, lonely times. Yeah. What, what do you think you would say to yourself? What would your advice be? I would say self. <laughs> I would tell myself if I was to go back, I was. I wish I was brave enough to open my mouth and tell someone what had happened to me and because it was like I think back 
and just thought to myself, I wish I can go back in time and just be was strong enough and brave enough just to open my mouth and because I was really scared. But I still wish that I could tell it, tell somebody. And I know if I was told somebody, I probably would have been in probably experienced more sexual abuse if you go in into one of those homes. Yeah. And that's one thing I thought about too, being in another family that would love me. You know, I really wanted so much to move out that house. But yeah, it's just thinking back, telling my younger self, I wish I was strong enough and brave enough just to say my stepfather was hurting me. Yeah. Yeah. When did you end up saying something to your mom? Was it just like after you moved out of the house or? When I ran away because it was never going to stop. At 17, I ran away from home. When I ran away from home, somehow they found me. I was over a friend house. Her mom uh, understood and let me stay there. They were looking for me. And my brother came, or my half-brother came. He said, "Uh, Mom was looking for you. And I said, said, I'm not coming home. But I didn't answer the door. My, My friend's mother answered the door. And she was like, what do you want? And he was like, well, I'm, my sister, I know she over here because I, I was told that she was over here. It was a security guard gave me away because he saw me walking out with them, like going to the store. And he saw me with them. And then my friend said, I think that was your brother that passed by. But anyway, uh, what happened? Yes, my mom found out that I was there and then she wanted to see me and she got off work. I went down. I got a call that could, could she see me? And I said, okay. Cause she was crying because she didn't know where I was because I ran away from home. She had to leave work because she didn't know where I was. He didn't want to call the police cause he knew he was going to get in trouble. Instead, it was a security guard. When I got in the car with my mom, and she was asking why am I why did I run away? And I, I told her, I said, because your husband is touching me. And she was like, What do you mean? I said, He's touching me in the wrong areas and he's been doing it for years. I told her, and she just called me a liar and just slapped me in my face and said, Liar, you know. When she did that, I jumped out the car, even while she was driving, and just I was I just stormed and ran and went back to my friend's house because I cried because when she slapped me, that really hurt and that, that hurt in my feelings. That's like rejection, you know. Like well, this not your mom; she should right. be the one that protects you and and believes you and is on your side to to help make things right. Not right. Are you in a situation that's going to make things worse and then not believe you when you finally have the courage to speak out? Right. So after that happened, she didn't come back to look for me. I My brother came back over there and he was like, mama keep crying and she won't stop crying. I said, that's not my problem. I said, what she can do is call the police. But instead, 
he was trying to keep her from calling the police. Instead, he downed me, degraded me, called me out of my names and said I was bad. I was fast. I was, you know, this and that, you know, so it won't be on him or he get in trouble. So this what they did. They moved quickly. And I was left living with my friend and her mother. I didn't know where my mom was living or anything. I didn't know what happened to her for a very long time. And it really hurted me. It really did. It hurt me very deeply. I thought my mom would at least listen. And, but like I said, uh, Liz, he's a manipulator. And he manipulated her to thinking that I was a very bad girl. And I was not. That was just him trying to manipulate the situation and turn it around on me so that he won't get in trouble. That was the whole idea. He has done it before again to someone else, another little girl. And I did go to court and testify against him. Nobody in the family, everybody that attended the court did not know that he, you know, molested me because I tell you this, when we was in court, and they mentioned my name to call me to come in. He pat, he pretended that he was having a heart attack because it shocked the heck out of him because they was like Jacqueline Dixon. And when he they mentioned that, he pretended he was going to have a heart attack, you know. So I wouldn't come in and testify and tell the story because he knew it was true because I was testifying for another little girl that he uh, touched. But... This is right after him and my mom divorced and he married another woman who had grandkids and he did something to her. Yeah. But so and, and I think that's what people need to realize is, you know, if you don't report this person or if, if these people don't get put behind bars or have consequences or, you know, whatever they will continue to do it to other children. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes people don't want to process things that are too hard to fathom, you know, for your mom to process the fact that it had been what, 13 years that you had, that you had had abuse happen to you and that she didn't notice or wasn't there to protect you. I think sometimes people naturally try to protect themselves by saying that's not true or something like that, but this right. is not protecting anyone. You know, it's just continuing the abuse and continuing the trauma right. and letting that person who is the abuser continue <laughs> to be able to abuse and hurt more and more children. Yes. And that's what he did. He was abusing. He did, he did abuse uh, even people on his job. He did things. I wouldn't just say everything, but I say when I write my book, it's going to be all in there, you know, but um, yeah, he have hurt a lot of people. Well, a lot of women's, including his own son. That's his biological child. You know how degrading that is, but it's sad, you know, because now he's, he served his time 15 years for that little girl 
However, he's out and he's supposed to be on the the list for, you know, uh, not being around uh, children or any kids, period, for a lifetime. I do love my mom. I did not say I hate her. I love her and I miss her. I don't talk to her right now to this day because of that still. My mom still talks to him and she still communicates with him. She don't like talking about the things that went on in my life. She thought going to therapy one time was going to help, but that don't. That doesn't help me. You have to continue therapy between uh you know, the two of you to have some type of closure. My mom still doesn't, we, we at this moment don't really talk at all, you know, because um, she think I'm trying to pull a uh, wool over everybody's head or want self-pity or whatever, but I'm over it. I am a survivor because the thing I learned about forgiveness, I had a lot of health issues. And if I didn't ever learn about forgiveness, because I had a lot of unforgiveness in me because of her, I learned to let it go and give it, give back that power to him and give all of that to God. Because me holding that all that unforgiveness of someone who hurt me or did something to me, that's going to hurt me and my health and make yeah. me sick. So what I did is to release that and give it to God to handle, to fight the battles for me. I'm not going to hold on to all of that and hold prisoner, a prisoner, of people in my heart who hurt me, for instance, my mom and him or whoever in the family. I can't do that because guess what? They're going to be the one having fun, giggling and laughing and going on with their life while I'm over here suffering with an illness because I still have unforgiveness in my heart. So I learned to release it. And it's just like a burden lifted off of me. And I gave it back. Release it. Let God fight the battle for me. That's what I did. So I pray for my mom that sooner or later she'll see the light, you know. And, you know, sooner or later she might want to pick up a book and learn about it or and understand what I've, you know, gone through and what all those things I have developed, the behavior and everything, you know, because uh, she have not tried to learn anything or try to understand what's going on or what, why I do this or why I do that. Because whenever you develop, you know, uh, anxiety from this trauma and you also develop post-traumatic stress disorder. I have PTSD. I have high extreme anxiety, but I'm surviving, you know, 
but I did suffer for many years and I'm still healing. I'm not saying that it's all the way, I'm all the way, you know, heal. I'm still healing and I'm still learning a lot as I, even as I am in school, because that's teaching me. And, you know, also I read many books. Number one, I read Joyce Myers. I love her. It happened to her and she survived. She's a survivor too. And in a book, in the Bible talks about Sarah you know, who was also uh, raped by her own brother, well, her half-brother. But it talks about that in the Bible, about being molested or raped, you know. It's many scriptures in the Bible that talks about it. Those help me. So, yeah, I, I'm, I survive. I'm still healing and I'm still learning, but I'm, I'm going to keep smiling and keep going on and moving forward. <laughs> I'm not going to hold a grudge, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think it's easy to say, like, oh, let's not hold grudges when it's like little things like somebody pulling out in front of you or taking your parking spot or saying something rude. But I think that it really takes quite the incredible person. And I also think that your faith has obviously helped you so much too. Yeah. Um, to really let go of that and not hold on to that because I mean I think it would be really easy for you to just be bitter and mad that he had really kind of taken your whole childhood yeah but I wanted to ask you I know that a lot of victims of, of abuse have feelings of guilt shame self-blame and embarrassment what would you say to that uh, to keep trusting in God and keep moving on. Don't feel like uh, it's your fault because it's not. Uh, there are many uh, people who have been abused and feel like still right now to this day is their fault. And it's not. It's never your fault. It's that adult person who uh, violated your boundaries, which they are wrong and they know they're wrong. But just remember that it's never your fault. Never. And just keep the faith, trust in God, and everything will fall in place. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. It's hard. It's a fight. But you will survive. And try not to allow it to affect your uh, health because it does do that. It, it can uh, affect your health because uh, I'm one of them. I have many health issues and had I not known that this trauma caused me a lot of serious health issues. It did. There are many times I've been back and forth, back and forth in the hospital because of the trauma that I you know, went through. So I'm just saying to all of the survivors, you can do it. You can do it. It's not easy, but you can do it. Just keep trusting in the Lord and you can contact me. I'm quite sure Liz can um, leave you with my email address. If you want to contact me and talk, I'm here. Uh, I can tell you or answer questions, whatever you need. I'm here.
and I know what it is to go through the trauma of sexual abuse. I do. Well, I just, I think you're amazing. And I think that you are such a good example of, of you having a traumatic hard experience and experience I feel like is not the right word. I mean, it's like you had a traumatic life. Right. And that you've been able to really live like a, uh, an amazing life and just like your three kids are so lucky to have you as a mom yes. who interact with you at work or, you know, in, in any way that get like a little piece of you are so lucky. Right. And I think that you're a remarkable person and I, I really admire you. And I know that you had mentioned, so I know you're going to school right now. So yeah. you're doing, um, you're finishing up your bachelor's degree and then you're planning on going and getting your master's and then you'd love to start a recovery center. Is there anything else you'd want to share about your future plans for what you want to going forward, what you'd like to do? It's not just a facility for adults, but also I want to have a facility for adolescents and children too. Because one thing about it, uh, little small children that are not where their speech haven't caught up with their brains yet. So, you know, they can't say anything, but blah, 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 blah. You know, you have to look for those signs with them also. Even little babies, you know, I wanted to build a facility for them too and to help them. Bring in people in my facility that are friendly like me and that are just like me. I don't need somebody in there abusing nobody because I'm going to check that out. <laughs> but I'm talking about safe people, people that are really true. Like I, ch I want to check their background, see if they had any type of abuse or anything, because I don't want to just hire somebody that's, you know, that I'm not, you know, aware of what's going on. You just can't hire anybody. But I, I trust people that like for you, like you, Liz, you know, someone like you and many other people that I know that I can trust. I want to uh, hire, you know, and to work with my facility. But that's what I want to do. I want a facility for children and adolescents and adults, especially the survivors, you know, yeah. because one thing I know is this, too. All of us survivors need to stick together. And, you know, just keep in contact with one another because, you know, there are a lot out here that are still silent and afraid to come forward with their story or their secret. And like I said, I'm here to listen. I'm here to talk to anybody that want to contact me. Uh, it's DixonJackie43 at gmail.com. You can contact me there or you'll see me on Facebook or our our Instagram. So if you want to contact me and ask me a question or anything, you can. Well, thank you so much. You're so sweet to offer that. And I feel like anyone would be, it would be a pleasure for anyone to just be able to chat with you because I think you're such an amazing person and you have so many, so much light and love and faith and good hope to offer people. And I just, I really admire what you're doing and 
I know it hasn't been an easy journey for you, but I just think you're. It haven't, but I survived. You know, my kids also went through it with me too on things, but we we all survived. I love my kids. I love my grandbabies. Oh, they my heart. I have two grandkids. And I make sure things are not happening to them. I watch and I, you know, everything that they do, whatever, you know, my grandbabies are doing. Because you have to watch and and sit there and monitor them, you know, on everything that they do. So that's what I do with my grandkids, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like one thing I've learned from you is I feel like it's never too early to have a age-appropriate conversation with your kids about their bodies and about and there you go. Yes. not and letting other people yes. touch them. And also, I think even telling your kids, if anyone says not to tell mom and dad something because they'll hurt you or hurt yeah. them, like someone, don't trust them. You can always tell mom and dad anything. Exactly. Like, and it's never their fault. It's never yeah. their fault. And you'll yeah. never get in trouble for telling us right. if something happened that made you feel uncomfortable. And I was thinking about it at the beginning when you were saying he gave you like an icky feeling. And I don't know if you felt that way before the abuse started, but even just being able to tell your mom that, like, I don't feel comfortable around him right? Uh, could have been a red flag. And so even yes. just trusting kids. And I feel like, I feel like kids have a really good intuition with people and like, who makes them feel they can, they can tell yeah. they're, um, they're, they're good people. They can, I feel like my kids at a really young age can sense that with people. Yes. Yes. So, so trusting them and trusting their instincts and trusting their ability to see the goodness in people or when they feel uncomfortable around people. So, but I just, I am grateful for you sharing this. I know it's not an easy topic to to discuss, but I'm grateful that you were able to share your story today. And Thank you. I have one last question for you. Uh-huh. And that if you could go back in time and to any stage of life and give yourself advice, where would you go and what would you say? To, to be honest, I would go to uh, God. I mean, and also people that I trust, you know, someone that I'm close to and someone that I'm, tr- I trust. And the person that I get my advice from is my mother-in-law. She's the one who helped me through this trauma and this crisis situation that I've been through, including uh, my fiance. And they really helped me get through a lot. My mother-in-law is is awesome. I love her to death. Um, That's who I look up to because she pushed me even pushed me back to school. And I look back and here I am about to get my bachelor's and I give God grace and mercy for putting someone, these two people in my life for being there for me. I'm about to cry. (laughs) Cause if it wasn't for them, I don't know where I'd be. I love my mother-in-law because she fought for me. She did. She never gave up on me and my fiance. They fought. Even though I gave them a hard time. And God knows it was hard. My kids still by my side. And them too. 
And I love them for that. I do. I thank them. Sorry, Liz. But it it was very hard. When I say hard, I mean it was hard. I fought. And I just thank God that he put somebody in my life like them to help me. Because I did not know where I was going or what I was doing, you know. And it was times I had lost myself. And they was there. They was there when uh, through almost death, I was in ICU one time for my colon, you know, because I developed diverticulosis and it becomes diverticulitis when it's inflamed, you know, polyps. That's why I said, don't hold on to unforgiveness. Uh, release it because it causes really seriously health issues. Because I'm the one who has suffered. And now I thank God that I'm not because of my mother-in-law. And, and she knows about herbs and everything. And she's a, a nutritious. You know, she she knows what to take and what to do. You know, and her and, and it's just, I'm just so grateful for her. You know, because now everything is back on track. But every time I think of it, I just thank God for her. She's the sweetest person. She's a breast cancer survivor. And she she did it for me. She helped me. I mean, when I said she fought, she fought for me. She did. And I thank God for her and my fiance for just being there for me. You know, when you are when you are when you have been sexual abused. There are a lot of issues and a lot of problems. And I know that some people, you know, will probably give up on you. Even when you're in a relationship, it's hard, you know, because you can put them through a lot because, you know, some of them don't understand. But this man never gave up on me, even though it was frustrating and hard for him. But he never gave up. He never gave up on me. And that's one thing I tell everyone not to give up, keep fighting and trusting in God. Thanks, Liz. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm so grateful that you have your mother-in-law and that you have him and that they fought for you. And, and I hope that we can all be those kind of that kind of support for the people around us and that we can be able to help be a voice for those who don't have a voice and, and be able to yeah. prevent from happening to more families. Right. So, but thank you so much for sharing all that you did today. I feel like I learned so much and I'm, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you, Liz. No problem. This is Liz Gardner. Thank you for listening to Letters to My Younger Self. I really appreciate all your support. If this episode helped you, please share it with a friend. 
Feel free to reach out if you have any recommendations for topics or people that you would like to hear in the next upcoming episodes. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week.